0: Spring is a very intense time of year, as it is for farmers who are planting a crop, it is for beekeepers who are trying to set the scene for the coming season. So we do a lot of things in the spring, all at the same time, but it's wonderful.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Notes from the Bee Yard podcast. You're listening to Episode 4 Millions and Millions of Bees. Swarm season is a busy and complicated time for beekeepers. You want to support momentum in your colonies without pushing them toward swarming. When honeybee swarms do happen, they are impressive and memorable events. I enjoy this episode so much because it offers a little taste of what swarm season can feel like for beekeepers. And also a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, under the lid, within a colony of bees. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode four, Millions and Millions of Bees, written and read by Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald.
0: I always have mixed feelings as June arrives. While I'm relieved to have some of the heavy work and long days behind me, I see my favorite season rapidly slipping away for another year. It seems as if almost overnight the flurries of snow change to flurries of cotton from the maturing dandelions, and the fragrances of spring blossoms change to the smell of oil on gravel roads and of dry earth baking in the high plains sun. This has been one of our greenest springs in memory, though, and 2.15 inches of rain at the end of May promised to keep the landscape green well into June. It was a productive spring for the bees, and the colonies are growing rapidly. Within the last few days, I have begun to put honey supers on the strong hives to provide comb space for the honey storage and additional room for the swelling population. When all of the comb space has been utilized, the bees become increasingly crowded and this stimulates some interesting behavior. Several years ago, I returned from a long day in the bee yards. To find this note from a friend taped to the front door tom help millions and millions of bees the note went on to describe what was obviously a swarm of bees hanging from the friend's front gate sue had no doubt listened to me expound on bees many times over the years but her note reminded me that for non-beekeepers, that first view of a swarm can be an impressive, even intimidating sight. What she had seen was how a colony of bees deals with an overcrowded hive, and she sped several miles to seek help from the only beekeeper she knew. Once overcrowding reaches a certain point, nurse bees, young workers, will select several larvae which are less than 24 hours old for special attention. For these specially selected larvae, the nurse bees begin to extend the cell containing each larva out from the face of the comb and then down. For five days, the larva is fed only royal jelly. Then the cell is closed. The resulting queen cell resembles a tapered peanut on the face of the comb. And in eight days, a queen, rather than a worker, will emerge. This process of queen rearing has intrigued beekeepers and scientists alike for generations. And while we understand the mechanics, the biochemistry which causes the larva to differentiate into a queen rather than a worker remains a mystery. During the time when new queens are being raised, a number of workers will take on the duties of scouts and will search the area within their flight range, seeking potential new home sites. Then, just prior to the emergence of the new queens, bees will begin to pour from the hive in response to some unknown signal. For several minutes, the air will be filled with a loose cloud of bees hovering about as they wait for the old queen to exit the hive. As the old queen emerges, this cloud moves off with a roar of wings. As many times as I have seen it, I have never failed to be impressed by the spectacle. Of course, this is the last thing I want to see in the bee yards, since it means that all those harvesters I have been so diligently cultivating will wind up in a hollow tree somewhere. This is why it is critical that the honey supers go on at the right time. Sometimes a swarm will fly directly to some hollow tree selected by the scouts, but usually they will regroup on the first thing which sticks out of the ground. This may be a low-hanging limb or fence post, a mailbox, the fender of a car, or Sue's front gate. Once the queen lands, the rest of the bees will cluster around her. I remember the first swarm I ever saw as a boy of about eleven. I came out one late spring morning to find them hanging from the picket fence near the gate. I knew little about bees, but it was quickly apparent that they meant me no harm, and I spent a good part of that day and the following morning watching them coming and going. I recall my disappointment on the second afternoon when I found that they had left without a trace. These swarms look threatening, but in fact they are quite harmless. A swarm is composed mainly of young bees, the adolescents of the bee world. One moment they are inside the hive doing what they have done for the first two weeks of their lives, and the next moment... They are driven by some biological urge they don't understand. They are hanging in a bush somewhere. As a swarm, they also have no sense of territory. They don't see this temporary resting place as their home and thus are not protective of it. A swarm may stay in this temporary spot for as short as two hours or as long as two days. During this time, communication takes place between the scouts and the swarm. Eventually, they will take to wing again, heading for some agreed-upon spot. The swarm will be the beginning of a new colony. Back at the old hive, the remaining bees have room to resume their growth and store more honey. Generally, the first new queen emerge will head up the old colony, patrolling the hive to destroy any remaining queen cells. But in an especially strong colony, some of the new queens may leave with smaller after-swarms. While a swarm is inherently gentle, all of these bees are capable of stinging if provoked sufficiently. They can be observed with little danger, but there are a few things one shouldn't do. Do not knock them down with a broom or spray them with the garden hose or insecticides. This will only confuse, disorient, and anger the bees and create a problem where there wasn't one to begin with. The swarming of the bees each May and June is a sign of a healthy environment. Beekeepers will often pick up swarms if you give them a call or you can simply enjoy observing this natural event and the bees will soon be on their way.
1: So, Tom, this is my favorite time to keep bees. The swarm season is just beautiful. Uh-huh. What's it like? What's it like to see a swarm? What does that feel like?
0: Boy, I always go back to the first one that I saw when I was 10 or 11 years old, and we lived in Arvada when Arvada was still a tiny little farm town. And uh, although I had never been around bees, I could see immediately that that swarm meant me no harm. Many years later, I became a beekeeper, and and I realized that that swarm represented the abundance of nature, of the healthy nature of spring if that swarm came from someone else's colony, I was exalted. If it came from my own colony, I wasn't quite as exalted. (laughs) But a swarm is a very uh, positive thing. And uh, I've had the opportunity to share hiving a swarm frequently with non-beekeepers who just happen to come along. And uh, I always enjoyed being able to do that.
1: Was there a time in your beekeeping career where you felt you were experiencing peak swarm, lots of swarms?
0: I think that came mostly in the beginning. And when I started doing two-queen beekeeping, that relieved the pressure on the bees to swarm. So the fact that I was dividing down the colonies each spring and creating what, in effect, was two colonies, one above the other, relieved that swarming pressure.
1: Another thing I'm connecting with are these just really earthy descriptions of the weather, uh, the plants, the quality of the soil.
0: Yep, exactly. You can't be a good beekeeper without being aware of what's going on in the world as a whole. And uh, the better you pay attention to all of those things, the better you are a beekeeper. And you have to understand what rainfall means and what bloom means. And you have to have a general understanding of how the bees are doing at any particular time in the season.
1: So, Tom, is there anything else about uh, what you read today that sticks out that you want to talk
0: about? Well... I may have mentioned it earlier, but the person who left that note on my door is still a good friend. And while we don't see each other too often, my hope is that she knows more about bees today than she did when she tacked that note on my front door.
1: Can we bring her on and ask her about this sometime?
0: I think she probably would be willing.
1: Thank you for listening to The Notes from the BR podcast. We publish new episodes on Fridays at noon. Join us next time to hear episode 5. In the meantime, hop on over to Buzz and subscribe.